Uh, all, whoa, yes, sir. All good. Wicked. Um, My guy. Good to good to good to meet you, bro. Good to meet <laughs> you, man. It's been uh, I know it's been a long time coming. We're trying to organize this, but uh, it's good to meet you, man. Pleasures on my man. Like, do you know what I mean? Obviously, could we we got a connection through through the label, but at the same time, just like you, I've heard good things about you. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's always nice to finally kind of be like, okay, let me see, let me let me meet, let's break bread. Do you know what I'm saying? So hundred yeah. percent. And, and nah, nice to meet, you, bro. No, thank you, man. And obviously, you know, your your music, as it has for millions of people, has, has spoken to me for years already. So mm. it's a pleasure to do this. Um, but before we start, how are you? How are you doing? How are you feeling right now? Do you know what, man? I'm good. I, I I feel like with the with the way the music has kind of come about, the way in which the book that I more recently have kind of uh, finished, which is like dropping a week after the the album on October sixth, I just feel like it's kind of everything's all roads are leading to the same thing. It's like the twenty two and the, the meaning of the album and the symbolism of the importance of connection and healing people through music. But then also through the book, I've been able to, especially as, as a man, to be able to speak my truth and, and be vulnerable and show that there's power in vulnerability and talk on depression, talk on mental health, show behind the scenes of stuff rather than some of the old kind of cliched, like man up and, you know what I mean, just like stick in there. They're all, most of the, the male suicide rate has gone through the roof and we're seeing it because of that mentality of those kind of terminology for dealing with things. So I just think that it's all, all roads aligning for us to have better discussions about things and and also music to hit and connect and you feel it, you know what I mean? Rather than just gassing it up. So yeah. No, hundred percent. And you mentioned there 22, obviously the name of the new album, we're in 2022. It's been 22 years <laughs> since, you know, you know, your, 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 your break basically. Um, yeah. What, what emotions, what associations come to you when, when you hear the number 22? I mean, that journey feels like, only yesterday when I released my first album born to do it. So I feel like there's a, there's a, there's a feeling in my heart of like, wow, time really does fly when you're having fun. But then only when I kind of uh, unpack it and see what the things I've done in between that time, I'm like, whoa, there's big chunks of life that have gone on that sometimes we we're going so fast that we kind of forget that that was like through a few years living in a different country or, Mm. this time that I was over in America doing like like releasing the first album after the first album was released here so 22 me it's like it shows me that I guess as a as a, as a, a grander thing is a career like to know 22 years in this we're releasing another studio album that's career not this like you know you popped off at the start yeah. and you know I mean no one yeah. heard of you after that yeah, yeah, yeah. that's big and then and then obviously the, the symbolism also is like if you're into angel numbers and numerology 22 is a, is a very powerful symbolic number of foundation of also recognizing of being of service and using a platform, which I now realize actually is a journeyman who has learned a few things along the way that this platform I've got now to speak to people and help them, like use it rather than just like previously throwing it away because you just want to still talk about like popping bottles in the club. It's like, come on, man, like, like there's got to be more. Don't get me wrong. It's not, I've had a few yeah. tunes where I talk about that, but there's got to be more to the thing, you know what I mean? Hundred percent, bro. It's balance. What What is it that sort of started you into into this the spirituality and the journey? What does this something provoke you, or was it just something you've always naturally gravitated towards? Do you know what? Like, I mean, we're all spirit underneath the yeah. the shell, right? So, 
Well, there's that, that that part of when are you going to like lean in and kind of see that actually your body, mind and soul is all intrinsically connected as one. And I feel like when you're asking questions like, why am I doing this? What is the purpose of being here? Uh, really, those two ones have been kind of really set a lot of questions out there into the ether of where it is. If you're willing to then lean in and start looking for answers, you start to get quite profound like teachings that actually you're not the only person asking that question. And then you see that actually there's a lot more to life than just the five sensory, being able to get through life, get to certain points, tick it off, get to adulthood, have your your period of time working, have a, a marriage and, and children, become old and that's your like nah there's got to be more to this it's mad that you say that though because you're 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 typically not someone that has lived a a stereotypical life as it were you know what i mean like you i mean you wrote those songs when you were 16 and then you were so young when it happened for you like how are you able to i mean i'm guessing it's just perception and just watching people live and experiencing life but how are you able Mm -hmm. to even understand that journey because it's not one you know you've necessarily you've been on a completely different path to most people no real talk i think that I think having, it's almost like the zero to a hundred thing that kind of happened of growing up a very normal quote unquote life up until the age of maybe 16, Mm. uh, living in my council flat with my mom and like, you know, just working class family doing that whole thing. And then when the album went, it was zero to a hundred, like all of a sudden, like you're number one all around the world. Like you're doing three nights at Wembley arena. I'm traveling to America, I'm meeting people who I was, I've got posters on my wall of Destiny's Child and Mariah Carey, and next thing they're coming to your shows. So you're just like, whoa, like, talk about juxtaposition. But I have to say that even though some of the parallels are kind of like different in terms of the, how grand some of the things are experienced, I think that the same questions kind of apply underneath the hood of, you start asking questions as to, okay, is it defining myself by a number now? Is it the, if I have a number one, I'm, I've made it or how many records I sell I've made it and I questioned all these things that weren't landing like my second album Slicker Than Average ended up selling 3.8 million albums after Born To Do It which was seven yeah and there was and in my head I was thinking 3.8 million albums this is unbelievable bro like right. like I mean even today like talk about 3.8 million bro, albums, no, yeah? no one's doing those numbers today yeah, like, <laughs> with them things, yeah? but bro the record label at the time were like on like wow this is like it's not that we projected it to do 10 and 3.8 you're on a decline and i somehow took that on board as like this was a failure and that's a good example of how the the nonsensical stuff happens early doors then you define everything by the numbers and i've just tried to unpack that and now i realize that actually it's about doing the thing that i always loved making the music and actually speaking my truth and do the right thing and the right things shall follow and i think that was kind of why right we're in a different, we're in a different place. So spirituality, as you said, it's, it's just, it's something that's innately inside of you, but it becomes more apparent and more important when you start to live a bit of life. And then you start to say, okay, there has to be more to this. Asking, like asking you as you've been through it and you've had that experience and someone that I feel I'm yet to go through and a load of people are, do you feel like you need to, do you feel like you need to go through those things or go through certain things to learn? Or do you feel like you can learn just by observing? You, you need to live life like you need to feel i have to say like i guess the best example would be like okay saying to to saying to a kid or a teenager say don't put your hand in the fire you're gonna mm. get burnt and you kind of hope that they just don't put the whole arm in the fire mm. or jump completely in 
but they kind of put their finger a little and why why that's hot yeah mm-hmm. you're gonna learn yeah because you never would have known with me telling you a hundred times so you can't you can't kind of cloud anyone in protection all the way through their life you have to feel life is going to do that anyway it doesn't matter even if you try to do that but i would say that try to avoid some of the pitfalls if you can by looking at people who maybe who have experienced some of that that you're aspiring to have and look at maybe it didn't give them the thing that they were looking for and i think if if you're savvy with it you can get some advice from that but you have to lean in you can't preach to anyone who doesn't want to hear you can't you lead a horse to water you can't make it drink yeah so and how many times people told me things and i didn't listen so you hope you catch it like i said don't put your hole don't jump in the fire fully man like it's good that's gonna be crazy that one 100 percent, bro um now i appreciate that man i've listened to the album you know Mm. it's, it's an incredible album um and yeah, it's a huge record. And for me, it feels like, like you said, it is a journey. You summed it up when we, when we just started. It is a journey. And that sounds cliche, but you start with a track called Teardrops and, you know, the the, the opening or the chorus within that, uh, it's quite heavy. It's teardrops running down your face. I wish I never said it to you. Mm. Now we're standing in the pouring rain and now i got to go <laughs> see it through. Um, mm. So you start off, it's quite heavy and we'll go through it. We'll go through the album um, a bit later on, but... You know, then you, ha- you start with that and then you have these, but when you actually open it, you're opening with the rewind era and the vocals and, you know, you're, you're throwing mm. it all the way back straight away and then you go into this heavy, heavy tone and then you have these big collabs and you have the Galantis track and you have M&EK and, and, but then you break it into the R&B a little bit and you have Nipper and the G-Love track is my favourite, by the way, but we'll talk about that. Um, that's Appreciate. my favourite. I know you're kind of not supposed to have favourites, but for me, that was my favourite one. Um, Love, I appreciate and then, and then And then Money Long as well. And then obviously, then you go into the club sounds and, you know, that was a big part of your career as well. And it still is to a certain extent with Duval and, and Back to Basics. Mm. And then you end it all with like two slower, more melodic things. And, and, and the last one being Maybe as well, right? So... Yeah, it is. It, it does feel like that journey. It does feel like a full circle, and I guess it mirrors not only a musical career but also your life. Totally. You know what? Just if you're talking about those songs like that, one, it just gave me the feelings again. Like I was living the tunes again. Seriously, I was like teardrops because mm. it. I even even leaning into it, like I didn't really. I wasn't like saying I got get some the the A's and the the upper dodger kind of rewind feel. It was like we're gonna, we're gonna throw a garage vibe on this. Yeah. And I like the melody. I was, I was working with Mike Brainchild, who's the main producer on most of the album, and a girl called Negin, who's an incredible songwriter. Um, and we were working on the song. But the weird thing is that when I came, we finished the song on, the, on a slightly different garage melody, I woke up in the morning, and my alarm clock is, is John B. They don't know. So like I'm hearing that 24-7, right? Like three years, it's been ringing off my head like that's every morning. Mad, right? That's mad. <laughs> so I hear that. I'm hearing the thing. I'm thinking, and I started singing like teardrops running down your face, and I wish I said it to you. And I was like, this thing fits nice. So like, I get on the phone to Mike, and I'm like, he's having his haircut, and he's like, yeah, bro, what's up? I said, bro, listen to this. Just keep having your haircut. I can hear the buzzing in the background. He's having a fade, right? And I'm like, I'm singing him down the phone with the instrument of they don't know. The, the new that this teardrops melody and he was like bro bro all i heard was bro and i knew when i got a bro from him i knew that yeah. he's like he, then he's telling his head his barber like he said listen i got come back i said no no ain't that deep bro like no no you said like i got i got come back so i don't know if he was mid fade 
or what he was doing. But he went to the studio and we literally cut the vocals that, that night. Mad. And then it became teardrops. But mm. I kind of wanted the R&B feel throughout mm. all the tunes as a thread. But if I listened to the first album to do it, rewind for its, for the garage of sensibilities, fill me in was a hybrid of the two. But then it was, we had Walking Away, which was more of a middle mainstream sort of pop record. But then we had like the R&B Follow Me and You Know What and Booty Man. So to have that kind of sentiment in this album, that's what makes me excited. Because I'm like, I hope I listen to what people would have been saying to me for years. Oh, give me the R&B and give me the thing. So when you see G-Love, yeah, my guy. Like G-Love is for me, is Juicy, Big Papa. It's them tunes that would go in there, but have Nipper on it. It's like, what? So Nipper's on that kind of wave? Yeah, man. Right. Like. Yeah, I mean, just just on that. So when it came, obviously the video was sleek as fuck. Excuse my language, but it was sick. Mm. The track was amazing. Where did you find Nipper? Bro, we had this beautiful sliding doors. It was almost was going to be sliding doors moment at a blast show. Yeah, mm. um, he's playing over over in Camden. I was performing, and I'd heard of Nipper. I'd, I'd loved the situation tune that he had, and I was kind of just, I was just like, on. I loved his sort of swag. I liked it was kind of like hood R and B. Mm. And the videos were always a bit like that too. Mm. But I was like, this is cool. This is so hip hop, but it's so R&B. R&B. Sweet it's melody, yeah? like the 90s, isn't it? He feel, he's got 90s about him, hasn't he? Yeah, So man. 90s. Mm, so mm. we kind of had this moment where we actually met for the first time and we, we exchanged numbers. And then the next thing, you know, we got in the studio and he came with tunes and it was kind of like, I was like, wow, these tunes sound wicked. And I said, can I play you this little hook that I've done on this tune? And it was, it was the beat of G-Love with that hook there. And I wasn't sure if he was going to be fully about it because I was like, it has got that big papa kind of swag to it. It's like Nate Dogg kind of flow back in the day kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, bro, what's this one? What's, and I've got the, I was like, he got the memo, he understood. Then he started patterning the verse and then we did the tune together. So I was so nice that he could lean into something that was maybe out of his R&B world of what he's doing right now. Mm -hmm. And also for me to lean into Nipper and we both kind of found each other in the middle and I felt like, the fact that you you're feeling that one means that it, it, we 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 nailed it. You know what I'm saying? Hundred percent. And you took him on on tour with you as well, right? Yes. Um, you took him on tour. That was, I mean, first of all, how was that experience? You know, obviously you're you're basically hand, handing a baton to, to a certain extent to a younger, you know, R and B generation. But also, what off the back of that as well, I wanted to ask about. You know, you would have travelled a lot throughout your 22 years doing this. What have been some of your most memorable places and experiences you've been to? Wow. Um, I mean, I've got to say that to, to bring Nipper onto an arena tour and yeah. to see him excel in front of that many people, especially like a London crowd, like two nights at O2 and then seeing my up. man. Bro, I went, to, sorry to interrupt you. I went to the no. London, one of the London shows and yeah, literally the person I went with said to me like, this guy basically not no disrespect to nipper unknown to a certain extent at this level comes onto the stage he walks on the stage like he owns the thing yeah he's like this ain't craig davis show this is a nipper show right bro that's how it felt that's and that was the energy that he gave man and it was so refreshing to see bro we felt this we both felt exactly the same i was yeah. so proud of him when he came on with that swag i was like because we were boy from Tottenham, you know what I mean? Say like, listen, around the ends doing his thing, and then all of a sudden, like, you're actually over North London, you know what I mean? At Wembley, at O2 Arena, yeah, doing your thing. I was proud. And the fact is, he owned it. And he always would do this thing of, like, after the shows, he'd go into the crowd, which yeah. made me, I just loved it, because it was so, like, what I would do if I was, like, on that wave of, like, I've just done an arena show, 
I ain't going home now. I need to go and swim in this yeah, this thing, yeah, and he's in the crowd with them. So yeah, that was wicked to be able to have him on board. And it's funny because even my mum met him at one of the shows, and she was like, "Craig, he just reminds me of the same as you when you were like at, at his age, like yeah, same yeah. energy, same passion, knows what he wants to do, is up for some advice, but at the same time, he's very focused, knows what his sound is, doesn't want anyone to mess with that, love it." Um, and to answer your other question of like places. Mm. I gotta say my Ibiza Rocks TS5 pool parties is, is actually, it's unique, it's special, especially on an island that was very dance orientated. And to be able to do something in a venue that to me feels like the Coliseum in Rome because mm. of the way that they're set up. It's different even from Oshuaia and Pasha and all them places. To have a, a full 360 immersive experience in the middle by a pool, for me, I don't know anywhere in Ibiza that was doing that or nailing it like this. Mm. So. To, to curate that over a few years, I loved it. And I've got to say that that for me still we've got a few, two more left light of the, of the season. Yeah. And I know even though it's a slightly different configuration this year, but that vibe, people go on holiday yet yeah, to lose their mind and enjoy the tunes. And that for me as an artist is everything. You know what I'm saying it's sick, bro. And you, you, you founded that or you conceptualized that in your, during your time in Miami, right? Yeah. It was a kind of a follow-on, weirdly enough, like the, the TS5 house parties I was doing in my apartment, I, which came about from not wanting to do the, the club thing anymore and the red rope and people are VIP and these people out here aren't. And I was like, no, it's all elitist thing. Let's, let's dash all that. Yeah, Coming to my house, everyone's just, it's love, yeah? Food on food, drinks on tap. Everyone's going to be, get a call, a shout out on the mic. And, I'm, and if, you know what I mean? If you sweeten me up nicely, I might do one of my tunes, depending on how I'm feeling that night. Try not to, but when you get screened up by the right person, all of a sudden you start singing the whole thing of a verse of seven days. The next thing you're rinsing out, yeah? yeah. So that was the premise of that. But weirdly, it was actually when I started off making mixtapes as a kid in Southampton right. or my Technics 1210s, selling them at the barbers. That's really what TS5 is. It's wow. my vinyl DJ who didn't get the chance to do it for the early period of his career, went to Miami, threw a house party, got the feeling again. And then next thing, brought it to the UK. A couple of shows in Hackney, early doors. People loved it. And the next thing you know, we're doing a residency. It, it always feels like people return to their roots when they're on their spiritual journey, right? Their spiritual path. Totally. Real talk. Because it, it, it's it's that thing of like, it's like the, the, in, in Tarot, there's a full card, right? Which is kind of a zero card, which is a card sort of like, it's the ending and the beginning of everything. And it's one of those things where, you don't realize you actually have all the tools and everything. You've got everything going on at the start, but you just haven't got the experience and the wisdom of it. Yeah. So when you get the thing, you're like, oh, I'm actually doing the thing I was doing before. And sometimes when you get the thing you wanted, you actually want to do the opposite thing of what you had before. You want the anonymity of, of not known being known, but then you want to be, it's like this weird juxtaposition. And I've realized that, okay, I get it. If you don't complicate it and get out your own way, you can make this music thing fun where it doesn't become a pressure thing. So I'm happy the album's coming out, September 30th, wicked. Yeah. But at the same time, if it goes in number one, it goes in 101, it's all, th that doesn't define the music, yeah? 100%. I don't know where half of them big tunes we love, yeah? Usher mm. Nice and Slow, I don't know whether that went in number one or yeah. 21. You know, but you, I know when I bang it, it plays nicely yeah. on my system. You remember how it made you feel, right? My guy, that's yeah. it. That's it. That's what we can do. So how do you make people feel? That's the legacy you leave here, not the number or the amount of sales or anything to that, that kin. You know what I'm saying? 100%, bro. 
you mentioned um you mentioned Mike Brainchild as well. Talk to me yeah. about the relationship with him. How did that come about and and why was he the man for the album? Do you know what? So my A and R uh Barry Burt was like it brought a few different people into their plate into the table. It was the first time working together on this uh on this project and he was like I want to bring some new guys in, some new new, new cats, as you call it. I'm bring some new cats in the kind of band. That's like, cool, cool. So he brought a few people, and kind of we, we tested the 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 whole the, where it let the land lied, and it was okay with some few few guys. And it was vibe. But this Mike Brainchild guy, I was like, bro, like he understood the assignment, like he understood the R and B that I grew up listening to. So if we talk Usher, nice and slow, or if he wanted to throw in some Tank, maybe I deserve or Brandy, uh, uh, Full Moon, or mm. you want to do some Tyrese, how are you going to act like that? Classic R&B tunes. But at the same time, I had the sensibility to be like, we don't have to make it always throwback. It can just have the same approach with the R&B stacked harmonies, right. the melodies. We can do a bridge, a middle eight. We can do crazy ad-libs, and I'm not going to tuck them so low that you can't hear anything. We're going to make them so you hear them like the right. ad-libs you remember from the big eyes. Yeah, yeah. It used to be part of the top line melody, right? Yeah. So once we connected, I was just like, bro. And then next thing you know, we just started to form this relationship. And he's just a really good friend now. And he, like I said, he's got the majority of the album because he's just mad talented. And I hope he, people recognize him as like the Roddy Jackins of the UK right now. Amazing, man. Amazing. Um, yeah, and, and he's done well on it. The other, the other track, obviously one of the singles he released last year, it's actually a, almost a year ago, which is crazy, was, um, yeah, it was, was Who You Are with m and how did how did that record come about? But that one was actually like so digital farm animals. Um, I mean, I've got a lot, of, so much time for him anyway. Um, and we we're in the studio doing it. His real name is Nick, so we we're in the studio together. And he was just off the back of that. Uh, don't play games with Amory. Don't play. Yeah. So he was just, and he's always at all the KSI tunes. Period. The really love and everything. Yeah. So I'm in with him and EK. We had a relationship from stuff that he'd done with Change My Love on one of the albums. Uh, a couple cuts that never actually became songs. Really Love, he was involved in too. Mm. So we've always had this songwriting thing, but never actually like having his vocals on a record. So we came in, we we're singing the song down. He does this crazy melody of like who you are. The guy has a dip to get to an next session. He's gone. I'm in the studio like, whoa. Does this guy even realize what he just left? <laughs> left, left a piece of gold and he's dipped. Mm. I had to get on the phone and say, Uzo, like, bro, like, what the... What have you done? <laughs> what have you left me with here? And then he tried to pattern me with like, oh, whoever's going to cut the vocal, just, you know what I mean? Make sure they hit them. I said, what, pat, who? Pattern the vocal. I said, there's no one else patterning the vocal except you, my man. Mm. He said, no, no, no. I, didn't, I just came in to write a song. And I said, okay, mm. it would be an honor if you could have your vocal on this, because I can't see anyone else being able to sing it the way you've sung it. Mm. And that, for me, it's a feeling, as we said earlier, right? So, like, I can't I can't feel it from anyone else singing it. So either we park it up and leave it as a on the B drive on the computer, and it's calm, we had a nice writing session, mm-hmm. or it could well be a single. And if you don't want to be at the forefront, because I think that was what was really playing on his mind, right. he'd come off a big record with uh, Joe Corey. Joe Corey, yeah. It was like... And I think he felt like he wanted to pull back a bit. It'd been a huge hit, number one. So I was like, listen, even if you don't want to do any promotion, don't come out and sing anything. Like, I'll t- I'll do that, all that stuff. But just to have your vocal on it, my man. And he was so graceful to say, listen, man, I'm a big fan. You know what? I'd love to. Yeah. You made me feel safe and comfortable. I was like, bro, 
Now we're talking. And then we panned it and the next thing it became a single. And seeing people sing it at festivals now makes my, my day, man. I'm like, I think he feels, yeah, you're getting the uplift from it yeah, now. Man. People, it's their go-to tune. It's their empowerment song, right? You know what I mean? Definitely had one, man. Definitely had one there. Um, yeah. You mentioned KSI as well. Obviously, you work with KSI a bit. Really love. Um, I was at the I was at KSI's Wembley Arena show. And I, stu- I was stood at the side of the stage Everyone was there. Amari was there. Dean mm. was there. Simba was there. Everyone was there, right? And then we see you walk on top, on down, down the little ramp to the stage, join KSI, perform mm. really love. He asked you to do seven days. You smash it, obviously. Appreciate. Come out, leave KSI to do his thing as always. You're walking down the steps and there's cameras, there's lights, there's all these artists here. And bro, I watched you. And you stopped and spoke to every single person that that approached you, that you, you took the time, you, you maintained the eye contact, the cameras were on you, you just you were engaged straight fully. I've got footage of you on my phone talking to SX for a good like almost 10 minutes. You'd just come mm-hmm. off the stage, yeah. What what has allowed you to keep your humility? Because it's it's clear and it's wow. evident. I mean that's that's big that you just for you clocking it. Like, I mean, I've I I love that you can see it from that position. You know what, bro? Like, I just don't buy into the BS of like, that you become something different because you get this privilege of being able to go on stage and perform. I'm like, we are all human beings. And the, the for me, the most biggest disrespect is when I can't engage someone and look at them in their eye and actually have a conversation with them. And that fleeting thing where you're kind of, you're, you're reducing someone to a means to an end. So it's like, I'm just going to say a quick little sighting and I'm over here. Or I wasn't even really fully listening to what you're saying anyway. I just parred you a little bit and walked off. So I'd rather take time, do you know what I mean? And actually engage you as another human being because it makes me feel like I'm being seen, you're being seen and we move, you know what I'm saying? So I just feel that's always been something that I, I take a lot of pride in, do you know what I'm saying? Like everyone's a human being and let's not get too gassed with this whole thing. You know what I mean? You could be top of your game, but that doesn't mean you ain't got time to stop and speak to someone. You know what I mean? Or at least show them the eye contact. It's that worst one when someone takes a hand, yeah, and they're, they're, look, they're not even looking at your eye, bro. They're, they're over, you're just like, bro, what are we doing here? Yeah, 100. But I, you know, but it's just life, you know, and, and some people gauge it and some people don't, but it's nice that you that you were able to see it from, from your position. You know I mean, I appreciate it. Man. Was there a time, just to briefly touch, was there a time where you where you felt you did get lost in it? Do you know what's funny? Because I think I never think I ever got lost in the seeing people and and giving them time. But what I did get lost in is I think you call it quote unquote a people pleaser. Mm. So what would happen is I'd overtly do that. So it became the like, bro, like I get it that you want to speak to people, bro, but like you now taking like, okay, for example, I would do a, a, an album signing. And I know someone's going to come up with a story and an anecdote and tell me about what they, how they heard the album for the first time and the whole thing. And they brought out maybe five other albums that they want signed. And it's just the whole experience. Yeah. And they're excited and they're queued up. So I give them the same time that they give. I can't give them a 30 second thing. Mm-hmm. But then when the guy is at the door saying like, well, the shop shut now and there's a queue outside. So, and we can't let anyone in. And they're looking at me like it's my fault. Yeah. So then I'm kind of like, well, okay, I'm a bit torn now. So then, okay, we're going to have to take a table and go outside then isn't it? and just finish the thing, yeah? Mm. And 
when I look back in hindsight, there was a way that I could still have given enough time to everyone. But rather than giving 15 minutes to every person coming through and you've got a thousand people to get through right. and you've already got a three hour window, that's where I had to realize that there has to be a fine line between how much you can still get the same thing of being seen, but don't become a people pleaser where it only impacts yourself. So that's why I think one of the things I've learned in my life, and I talk about it in the book, uh, What's Your Vibe, uh, man. about that. And, to, and just quickly as well, talk about the book, man. What what, what was it? I mean, is this your first book? I think it's your first book, right? Yeah, it's my, my first book. And to be honest, it's, I've been asked about doing a biography for many, many years. And I always kind of decline because I feel that there's someone else you could do an unlicensed one who knows more about my career than I do. And they'll come with the legit stuff like, oh, you were there on this date. And that's what yeah, you said. You, you wouldn't know, innit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just let the man, let, let the man girl do the thing. Like, they're going to mm. pattern it properly. But for me, I was like, if I could do a book that has some stories that people can relate to, some bits underneath the hood of how I was feeling. There's a there's a moment where I talk about walking out in Good Morning America and it's like supposed to be the best moment ever and things go a little bit left for me. Um, and getting, getting into stuff that people are like, oh, I didn't know that. I thought he was smiling through the cameras on that, but what was he feeling? And I think if that could help people to say, listen, he's having these, these experiences that maybe you can relate to in a slightly different way, and to bring it up to date. It's not like a just a story thing of back in the day. Right. It brings you up to date halfway through the book to where it's like real time now and how I'm feeling about life and where we can move. And again, you have to be really careful, I think, with like having people lean in. That's why I say that the, the quote is tuning into your best life. You have to tune in, but on your own accord. Not because I'm telling you you have to preach into you that you have to do anything. Yeah. I don't know. Who am I to say? I don't know anything. I'm just like got some stories. And I've had some experiences. And if they relate to you, then we're working here. And if it doesn't, that's, that's calm too. And I think that's what I'd like to get from the book. Uh, amazing, man. I'm excited excited to read it. Obviously excited for the album to drop. Um, what would what would you say that people, I know, I know we spoke about it in depth, but what would you say people could expect from 22? Do you know what, bro? I, I would love for them to, if this means anything to anyone who was there the, the first time around, when you you'd have your little Sony Walkman or whatever Walkman it was with the bass boost button on, yeah? And your headphones on, walking down the road, just gassed in your own world. Mm. If we could fast forward 22 years and you put this album on and you get lost in your, in a world that's magical, creative, inspired, you feel like your worries are gone for an hour, then my work is done here. So it's, it's a feeling thing, not a thinking thing. I don't even want to gas it because sometimes you gas something so much that when people press play, they're like, bro, he gassed this like it was, man was giving us a thriller. Like, you know what I, mean? I, I, I just want it to be like, hear the tunes and hopefully you feel the same way I felt when I came out of the studio and played it in my car on my way home. Mm-hmm. And if that gives it, then we're good here. You know what I'm saying? Amazing, bro. I normally end on two questions. And it's funny you mentioned thriller because I think I know the answer to the first one already, which mm. is what was your first piece of music you remember purchasing? If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I, f- I think it was human nature. Yes, my man. Yeah. You, you're so right. I actually said in one other interview, man said like Terence Trent Darby, the hardline according to, yeah, probably mashed up the whole thing, yeah, because that was in my mum's record collection, yeah, and it was, I didn't have any money to be buying anything, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Michael Jackson, Human Nature, all day, every day, my man. That's the one. Yeah, 100. Second and, and final thing, and it's a difficult one, stage or studio? Oi. Wow. 
you know what? I'd say like, I'd say studio just only because I know that there's that feeling of no one in this, unless you're in this room, mm. knows what's being what's cooking here. It's mm. like you put something in the oven and you're just like, oh my God, when people taste this thing, <laughs> you know what I mean? So you get that oh, without knowing if they're going to like it or not like it. You know what I'm saying? So I, I'd say studio just tips it, just tips it. Amazing, bro. Bro, I really appreciate your time. Was there anything else you wanted to get across or are we all good? Do you know what, bro? I, just to say thank you, man. I think it's just it's lovely having this rapport. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Outside of the work that you do so well at a label, working your heart out for the YouTube and get, making sure that's why you're at that level. But mm. your passion of having your own podcast and doing your own thing, that I love. Because you, you, you do it. You're, you've got this real great sense of knowing the music intrinsically but also bringing out stuff that's different from what you experienced, bring that stuff for me differently than just maybe just patting them with the same questions. You know what I mean? So love it, bro. Proper. Oh, appreciate it. Appreciate that a lot, man. It means a lot, bro. Nah, serious, so much, serious love. love. My guy. Great. Sanjay. Yes, Craig. All good, man. Yes, I think that's my good. Guy. I think we're good. Just love. Okay. I've got this. Alleged. Thank you. I've Thank got this patterned yet. Yeah. I'm going to just press done. I don't want to, yeah, mash yeah, up the whole thing for sure okay stop recording I'll, I'll send that I'll, I'll drop box over